Well, as we are, take our time this morning to open up God's Word, I want to just uh, sort of wrap up a little series we've been doing through December. If you haven't been with us, um, you might not have realized it. Of course, maybe you were here, you might not have realized it, but we've been walking through a short series on Emmanuel and talking about what does that mean. And it means God with us. And it is the name that the angel shared with, with Joseph that he needed to see Jesus as being God with us. And so uh, it's just been a, a time for us to think about that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh with us. And today what we want to try to focus on is um, what this practically means in our life. We've dealt with the fact that it's not just a past event. It's not just something that happened you know, 2,000 years ago and we remember it like a historical event but it has present day impact in our lives today. The fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And what it really represents, and what I hope that you'll see as we spend some time together this morning in God's Word, what it represents is a brand new start. A brand new start. So I thought it'd be very fitting because New Year's Day is the time when a lot of us make reservations and and you know we res- we resolve resolutions. I mean, um, we resolve to do this or to do that, and and that's fine. That's well and fine. But I just want to encourage you that the only hope you and I have a change is Jesus Christ. It's not in our effort. It's not in your resolving to exercise or to read your Bible or to be a better husband or be a better wife or any of that kind of stuff. That's all well and fine. If, if before the Lord you make those kind of decisions and and look for God to empower you, that's fine. But the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. What's important to know that there is hope. There is hope. You know, if we could flash back in time and you could meet me in 10th grade of high school, well, I think you'd be surprised, okay? I think you'd be surprised. Um, I hope. I was a, oh, I was a punk, quite honestly. I was just, I was not the kind of guy that you would want your kids hanging around with. Matter of fact, when I started dating my future wife, Nancy Mason, teachers went to her and said, you don't want to date this young man. That was me they talked about, okay? But I want to, I want to share with you just, um, just a little story of how God used a person to help me to make a change. And it's in a, it's in a practical area of life, but I think it'll illustrate where I want to go today, all right? And it, it'll revolve around school, and that's not the most important thing in our lives, but when you're 16 or 15 years old, it's pretty significant. I was a horrible student. I mean, you know, straight C's and D's. That's just that's where I was. I didn't care. I didn't work at it. It was just not something that I was really that into. What I went to school for was to goof off and to make people laugh. That was my intention. That's why I got up and went to school, just to be a, a comedian and just to, and, you know, Basically, just entertain all of my classmates. Well, that doesn't, you know, really fare well for your GPA. It really doesn't. And so I'm in 10th grade, and I'm just, oh, doing so poor in school. Can't wait to be done because I'm tired of being the comedian, I guess. And summer comes and goes, and I start my brand new year, 11th grade of high school. And there was this one particular teacher, and she came to me, and she said, Mickey McDonald? That's what they called me then. She said, I've heard about you. I know you. I'm like, oh, great. Day one. And she's already ready to start. And she said, I want you to know something. I've heard about you. But for me, today is a brand new start. All that stuff in the past, gone. 
Today is a brand new start. Now, in reality, people probably had said that to me over and over and over in my life, right? People have probably been saying that. Teachers probably said it to me every single year. But this year, that particular year of my life, something clicked. Something that, that this teacher said to me worked. And God used those words to remind me that there is such a thing as a brand new start. And so I want to say you, to you today that there's such a thing as a brand new start. And wherever you are today in your relationship with Christ, in your relationship with your family, in your relationship with your husband, with your wife, with, at work, wherever it is, we need to be encouraged today with the reality that God is with us Emmanuel. And there is the opportunity for a brand new start. It's what Jesus does in lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he brings new starts in people's lives? I do. Because I've seen it firsthand, and I know it from God's word, that he does brand new starts. But the problem a lot of us have is, we, we might believe that, but we don't really know what to do with that information. We don't know how to move forward. We have the big picture. We've got the vision. Okay, there's a brand new start, new creature, new morning mercies, all that kind of thing. But how does it work? How does it work in my life tomorrow morning, Lowell? How does it work in my life tomorrow morning that I live out a brand new start? I'm telling you, folks, listen. You look to the God-man, Jesus. You look to Jesus, and that's not just a cliche. You look to how he lived his life. You look to how he operated, how he functioned in his relationship with God the Father. And we walk as he walked. That's our theme. That's where we're headed today. Open up your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read the passage and then say a lot of things about it today. But the power of anything that we have to say is only in God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is, if, you, if you have headings at the top of your chapter, yours likely says the resurrection of Christ or the resurrection chapter. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is all about the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of those that are in Him. It's about a brand new start. It's about a brand new start that we in Christ have. So it's important for us to understand what its message is for us. Go with me to verse 42, and let's read for a little bit here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and see what it has to say. Paul is the author, and he writes this. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. Now let me just say a word to understand what's happening here. Paul is, is laying out a contrast, a comparison, okay? He's got two things, and he's going he's to contrast and compare them. He's going to help us to understand one, but understand how it's different than the other, okay? One of these things is not like the other. Remember that little stupid song, okay? That's kind of what he's doing here, all right? He's comparing and contrasting, Two things. And we're going to see what those two things are as we read on. Here he says, the perishable and the imperishable. 
Perishable is something that goes bad. It rots. It dies. It goes in the grave, in the ground, and it rots. Perishable. Imperishable never rots. Never fades. Stays forever. See the contrast here? All right. He's going to be talking about our bodies. Our resurrected bodies. Let's read on. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. What's sown in dishonor? Our bodies. Our bodies before Christ. Sown in dishonor like a seed. In dishonor, sinful. But raised, if we're in Christ, raised to be with Him in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So there we have it. We have what we're talking about here. Where Paul is making a contrast between your body right now, this flesh, this soul, who you are, okay? You were, you were, you were conceived, you were born, and you are you. And this is your natural body. You were born a sinner. You lived as a sinner. And I trust that most of us, if not all, have put our trust in Christ. And then this change occurred. And that's what he's contrasting. Who you were before Christ, your body, your soul, your spirit, your, your, all of your substance, who you were before Christ, compared, contrasted, with who you are in Christ. That's what Paul was trying to lay out here. Okay? Listen. If we get this, there's hope. There's hope for change. There's hope for God-glorifying life. There's hope for Jesus Christ living through you. Let's read on. Thus it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. Genesis 2-7 is where that's from. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man, that's Adam, was from the earth. A man of dust. How did God make Adam? Took soil from the ground and... Blew life into it. Okay? The first man, dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Contrast. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. This is not an easy passage to grasp and understand. You probably just picked that up just reading through it. The number of times I had to stop and say, well, now this is what this is talking about. This is what this is. It just, just shows you this is, this is confusing, but I think we'll get it. I think we'll get it. All right? Let's just review a little bit where we're headed. Okay? We've been talking about the hypostatic union. All right? And that's coming in here in this passage. And this is the fact that Jesus Christ, in the, in the substance, in who Jesus was, he is 100% God and 100% man undiminished deity. In no way was Jesus diminished in his deity. From the moment he was born, away in that manger, he was all God. And at the same time, 
He is perfect humanity. Perfect humanity. Untouched by sin. No sin nature. Adam's curse, the, the curse of sin upon man, skipped Jesus. He did not receive that inherited corruption of sin that you and I were born with. You see, you're not a perfect human. I don't mean because you're slightly overweight and you can't run like a you know, four-minute mile or anything like that. I don't mean that. You are not a perfect human. Neither am I. We were born, inherited sin was ours. Inherited corruption was ours. That's how we were born. We are not perfect humanity. If you want to know what a perfect human is, do not look in the mirror. Okay? You won't see one looking back. We are not perfect humanity. Jesus is, was and is perfect humanity. Both pieces, 100% God, 100% man, in one substance. That's what hypostatic means. That's what it means. The hypostatic union means. Okay? Under his, his very substance, who he was at his gut. All God, all man. And I just want to challenge you with, with this. Some of this is review a little bit, but just you know, remember where we've been. I want to challenge you with this idea. If Jesus was not all God, if he was diminished deity, say 98%, then his death would not bring you and me eternal life. What was required was perfection to die. If we diminish his humanity, if we reduce his humanity so he's not 100% man, perfect man, then we have no intercessor between us and God. You see, this is absolutely essential to our relationship with God. Now, that's very theological and very heady. Okay, I understand that. I get that. But I want to talk today about how this really practically plays out in our life. In order to do that, we have to understand how Jesus operated. Okay, so go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's, let's understand what's going on here. Okay, so we have Jesus Christ. He is called in this passage in verses 45 to 47. He is called the last Adam. You see that phrase there in verse number 45? The last Adam. Let's read these two verses and understand what that means. Verse 35. It is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. Now that's pretty clear what that means. The first man, Adam, became a living being. I mean, that's the first man and God brought him alive. Okay, we get that. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now here's what Paul was doing. Paul is, is kind of bringing up for us two individuals to act as an illustration for all of people in all the world. He's got Adam, a life-giving being. He was, he was brought to life. Adam, he represents all men. And then you have this other man that's brought forward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's called the last Adam. The la There's not another one coming. There's, God's not sending another one. He's only sending the one, Jesus Christ. That's it. And where Adam failed, how did Adam fail? Think that in your mind. Not out loud right now. Okay? How did Adam fail? Well, he sinned. He did not lead his wife away from sin. 
And as the authority there in the garden, that's his sin. He failed. However, Jesus came as the last Adam who did not fail. He did not fail. Perfect humanity. Fulfilling God's call. Okay? But what we need to see here is what Jesus Christ represents for us is our model. Is our model. Go back to the passage. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. While Adam was the source of life, physical life for all of mankind, you're here because of Adam. You're here because of Adam and Eve. You are a descendant of Adam and Eve. He brought life to all of humans. God used this couple to populate the earth. So we have life. But what Jesus brings, Jesus brings spiritual life. And I want you to notice the absolute change that is necessary. Look at verse number 46. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. Now then is a very important word in that, phrase, in that passage. Then. What this is showing us is without a change, without, a, without an inner man change, without, in the words of Jesus, being reborn, you and I have no hope. We have no hope. Without Christ bringing us new life, no man, no woman can ever improve themselves. Nobody can make themselves acceptable to God. It is by grace we are saved, not by works. Here it is in the resurrection chapter. A change must occur. You're born physical. You are born physically, you are born. Naturally, that happens. But we must be born again spiritually. Have you been born again spiritually? Jesus said this to Nicodemus. You have to be born again. And what did Nicodemus say? What, do I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, oh, you don't get it. You should understand this by now. We must be born by the Spirit. Reborn by the Spirit. So what this represents to us is there is a change that has to occur, and now our model is no longer Adam. Our life is no, you are no longer in Adam. You're not just living out Adam. You're not just doing things because that's the way you were born. Listen, you were born selfish, you were born angry, you were born lustful. You were born greedy, you were born envious, you were born a liar. Great news, huh? That's how we were all born. And that's, if, if you stay in Adam, that's all that's ever going to be there. If we live according to Adam, that's all that's ever going to happen. You're going to lie, cheat, steal, lust, gossip, all that kind of stuff. If we live in Adam. And as a believer, you and I, we ha- God has given us the ability, even if you're in Christ, to choose to put on Adam. You and I can do that. We can wake up in the morning and just by default put on an Adam flesh and live according to that Adam flesh. You and I can do that even as believers. 
Listen, one of your pastors, Lowell McDonald, I'm telling you, it is right there. Every, I'm like at the edge all the time of putting on Adam and living according to the flesh. It's right there. It never, I'm telling you, it never gets here. It's never so far away that I can't reach. It's always there until I'm with Jesus. Until I'm with him in heaven, it's going to always be there. The power of sin has been broken. The penalty of sin has been broken. If you're you're in Christ, let me say that again. If you're in Jesus, the power of sin has been broken. The penalty of sin has been broken. But the presence of sin is still there. Tell you with Jesus. So I got to look away from Adam's. I got to look away from the Adam's of the world and not take my cues from them. And not take them from even myself. I don't look to the Adams and the Eves of this world. I look to the last Adam. The one. Jesus Christ. And this is where Paul is taking us. Stop looking at the Adams. There's the first among many. Adam and all of his descendants. And I can watch them. And I can see how they roll. And I can see how they think. And I can paint on their life. And all that brings me is the presence of death in my life. Instead, I'm going to look, what Paul is calling us to do here is to look to the last Adam. The last. God sent two Adams in a way. You can think of it that way. God sent two Adams into the world. He sent Adam at creation, failure. And then he sent Jesus, victor. Look there. Look there. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I hope you get where we're headed here, all right? Verse number 48. 47 and 48. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. Second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are heaven, of heaven. Jesus Christ is of heaven, this passage is saying, and that is our hope. And that is our hope, and we are to look there. Now we need to understand what that really means, what that really means, okay? I've got a word on your sheet there, if you've got worship notes. Um, you, the way you say that word is impeccability. Okay, say it with me. Ready? Impeccability. Ready? Impeccability. All right? And what this is driving at, the word impeccability, just a big word, I'll tell you what it means. All right? It's asking the question, could Jesus have sinned? Now, we already know that he didn't, right? We know that Jesus didn't sin. 1 Peter 2.22. In him was no deceit. There was, there's no sin in him. Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect. He is holy. There is no sin. Jesus never sinned. So we asked the question, did he ever sin? We said he's the perfect human. So we want to know, did he ever sin? And to illustrate that, I've got a piece of bamboo here. Okay? A piece of bamboo. 
awesome stuff. I tell you, I love bamboo. I'd love to plant it in my yard. But I look around here, those of you who have, they always tell me, don't do it. Don't do it. But it's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. This represents the humanity of Jesus. Okay? The perfect humanity. Now, you and I both know, I could easily take this thing and snap it over my knee. Right? What do you think that represents? Say it. Sin. Bingo. That's right. That's sin. All right? Did the first Adam, what happened? Break. Right? He sinned. Broken stick, broken man. What about Jesus? What does it really matter to us? What happened to him? So now I've got another little illustration for us. And here I've got a lead pipe. Okay? Um, These things are dangerous. Okay? Don't get hit in the head with these because they can hurt. I know. So... Here's what happened with Jesus. We said that he is 100% God. That's my lead pipe. Okay? And he's 100% man. That's my piece of bamboo. Adam, first Adam, what happened? Sin, right? But Jesus, we've been saying for four weeks that he was 100% God, 100% man. So what happens now, I might need a volunteer to try to snap this over their knee. Okay? What happens? Broken knee. That's exactly right. It does not break. It does not break. Now, that's theologically true of Jesus, and you can appreciate that, and you can worship him because of that. But what does that really matter for me? How does that really impact me? We'll go back to the passage. Look at verse number 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's talking about who? Adam. Good, good. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. This represents how you and I are to live our lives today. This is how you are to live your life in Christ today. Are you human? Yes. As a matter of fact, this isn't even you. I hope this works. This is you. This is you. Right? But when you came to Christ, God didn't just do this. He didn't just do this. This is not what God did when He remade you. That'd be nice. You might like that. Maybe He put you together and get some real strong tape and wrap it up. Okay? And say, okay, big boy, go out there and live again. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's going to break again. You don't believe me? Try it tomorrow. No, let's try it before the end of this service, okay? Let's see. Okay, right? You're all clean. Nobody's at, you're, you're completely clean. You're a fresh start. Okay? Let's see how long it takes for you to sin. As a matter of fact, when you sin in your mind, I want you to go ahead and just stand up. Okay? Those of you that just thought, I could probably go a long time, you should just go ahead and stand, okay? That's called pride. So this isn't the solution. So many of us, that's what we think. We think, I got saved, so now I don't go to hell. That's cool. And now I can just be a good boy, a good girl. You break. As is the man of heaven... Is how you and I are to live. Now what we have, 
we're not just the bamboo. God's Spirit comes. And God's Spirit now indwells us. He indwells us. And as we live in submission to God's Spirit, as we obey God's Spirit, as we submit our lives to God's Spirit, God holds us together as the man of heaven. As the man of heaven. And so now, the penalty of sin, gone. The power of sin, you see it? The power of sin, gone. Presence of sin, yeah, yeah. What do I do now? What do I do? Confess. This is confession. Lord, I know that was wrong. I hate that sin of envy. I hate it. I don't want it. It disgusts me. I don't want that in my life anymore. Take it away from me, Lord. I confess it to you. God says, no problem. We're good. We're good. See? Penalty of sin, gone. Power of sin, gone. Presence here, but able to be handled as God's Spirit works. Now, we aren't this. We're not this. When's this happen? It does happen in your life. Think of the answer in your head. You know what it is? When you are resurrected and with Jesus, this will be you. Perfect humanity. God's Spirit in you. Don't you look forward to that day? When envy has no, no power. When, when the presence of lust is gone with Jesus. But for now, we live as the last Adam. The man of heaven. The man of heaven. All right. Go back to our passage. See what else it has to say. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Jesus Christ. We've walked through several things here that are, that are being pointed out about Him to us. First of all, we saw He's our model. As the last Adam, He's our model. Okay, He's our, our only hope. Our only, as the man of heaven, He's our only hope. But now what I want you to see here in this last verse is He is the image. He is the image. And he, he is the thing we look to. And the phrase I want you to remember is He is fully human. Fully human. And what that means. You see, the only experience we have with humanity is this. This is all we know. This is how you were born. You were born like this. So when I say to you, or the Bible says to us, that Jesus was 100% man, what do you think of? This. You think of this. That's your experience with what it means to be a man or a woman. It's this. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. How is Jesus this? No. No. Jesus is a picture of what God intended for man as a human. He's a picture of what God intended. 
He is the image of the man of heaven. We are to bear the image of the man of heaven. To illustrate this, go back to the Garden of Eden. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Are you there in your mind? Okay? Let's go pre-fall. Before Adam sinned. Okay? Did Adam have a relationship with God? Yes, he did. It says that they walked in the garden together. Did Adam and God interact with one another? They sure did. God spoke to Adam. And Adam responded back to him. It was so natural that after Adam sinned, when God spoke to Adam, there was no questioning, why are you speaking to me now? It's just the way that they interacted. Did God have specific commands or directives for Adam? Oh, yes, he did. Name the animals, you have stewardship over them, all of that. What God intended for us, and what God is providing for us, can almost best be seen there in that garden, before the fall. This is what God intended for us. To to be fully human. Not sin-cursed human, fully human. Able to know God. Able to have a relationship with God. Able to hear from God's Word. Able to talk to God. And in reality, when we look at the life of Jesus, that's what He lived. I gave you several verses on your worship notes. I, I want to take the time to, to deal with them all. But let me, just, let me just talk about some of these things that we saw in Jesus' life. Okay? First of all, you need to know the role of the Spirit of God in Jesus' life. The Spirit of God was very active in Jesus' life. You see this all through the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. I've got the passages there. Let me just tell you what they are. 135 is an explanation of how Jesus would be conceived. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and place in you the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit was involved. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is now tempted by Satan. Guess who it is that's directing Jesus into the desert where he'd be tempted? Well, let me give you a hint. I'll read it to you. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Luke 4.14 talks about Jesus returning from the wilderness as he was led by the Spirit. In Luke 4.18, Jesus says, The Spirit of God is upon me, and I must preach. Luke 10.21 says that Jesus had joy because of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be fully human, like Jesus was, like Jesus is, you know what you have to have? Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Do you live out relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life? today. Now just so you know, I'm not talking about some like, you know, magic spell. I'm not talking about, you know, a magic wand, anything like that. I'm talking about God's Spirit that when you came to Christ, came in and dwelt you. And God's Spirit presses things upon your heart. You might, you might think it's like your conscience. You might think it's somebody else's voice remembering what they said to you some other time or, or a thought that you had. But listen, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you. And what God intended for us is for us to be led by the Spirit. That, folks, is what it means to be fully human. To be led 
by the Spirit. Are you? Secondly, secondly, the next thing I want to show you is that Jesus was Jesus encountered regularly the Word of God. The Word of God. I'll just hit these quickly. You've got there on your, on your worship notes, okay? In Matthew 12, Jesus says, Have you not read what David did? In Matthew 19, Jesus says, Have you not read that God created them from the beginning? In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says, It is written, and quotes Scripture. And in Matthew chapter 22, he calls out people who did not know the Word of God. In order to live out full humanity, what God intends us to have and to be this year, you and I must be in God's Word. I'm telling you, if God's Word is not in you, you're not living this. You're living this. You're living this. I want to challenge you for 2017, Centerpoint Bible Church... Let's let this be a year in the Word. Be in the Word of God. If you're not personally reading God's Word on a regular basis as a believer in Christ, if you're not personally reading God's Word, I promise you spiritual failure. I promise you it. It's going to happen. It is. Jesus Himself, when He was on the earth, was in God's Word. He read God's Word. He grew in his understanding of God's Word. Jesus. How much more for us? I challenge you this year, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go about it. I've done things where I read through the Bible in a year. I've done that. I've read through the New Testament in a year. I've jumped around all kinds of places. You can find a, a dozen ideas like that on the Internet. And any one of them will work because none of them do the work. It is God's Word that does it. So you find a plan. You come up with a method. You, you establish a pattern in your life to be in God's Word this year. you got no idea where to start, no idea at all. I encourage you to go with the Gospel of John. Just go there. Okay, it's like 21 chapters. It's very biographical. It's like you're reading a story. And just go to God's Word and say, God, your Spirit is in me. Your Spirit is in me. I want to hear from you. And crack open God's Word. Are you hungry? Do you want to live as a, the last Adam and not the first? You've got to be in God's Word. I'll just tell you, I, I've been running around this Christianity stuff for a long time now. Over, oh, Let's see. Over 30 years I've been a believer. Over 30 years. And I, I, I can promise you, you take God's Word out of my life. You strip away God's Word, a regular, personal pursuit of God through His Word. Take that out of my life and I will fail miserably in a very short amount of time with my wife, with my kids, with my thought life, with my driving, with, with my, the way I talk to people, it'll happen. Because I am a spiritual being, I need spiritually fed by the Spirit of God. And you and I are no different in that regard. Live fully human, as God intended, pre-fall in the garden, God speaking to Adam. 
Go to his word. And then the, the last one that I'll, that I'll use for today is Jesus Christ in prayer. You know, Jesus prayed. Just, just wrap your brain around that for a little bit, okay? Just try that one on. The Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, Jesus, while he's on earth, goes away and prays. Listen to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. The disciples ran around with Jesus for all this time, okay? For over three years, they're with him. And they come up to him and they they ask Jesus to teach them something. I mean, if you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would it be? Jesus, teach me to be a better dad. Teach me to be a better mom. Teach me to be be a better Christian. Teach me to, you know, be a better employee to whatever. What would you choose? There's only one time in Scripture that I know of that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something. Only one time. Now, if you find a second one, tell me. I don't think it's there. You know what it was? Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I mean, you bump into Tiger Woods, teach me to golf. You bump into LeBron James, teach me to play basketball. You bump into some soccer player, teach me to play soccer. Bump into Jesus, teach me to pray. What's this show us? God intends for us to be fully human. This is Jesus, perfect humanity. I'm sorry, yes, perfect humanity combined with undiminished deity. And one day you and I will be with him in heaven. But for now, God's spirit has come and lived inside of you. We're not perfect humanity. We are sin-cursed humanity. But God's spirit lives in us. And so we got to feed the Spirit in our life. Depend upon the Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to use the Word of God in our lives. And go to Him in desperate, desirous prayer. God, work in my heart. I messed up. I confess it. I lean back to you. That, folks, is what God intends for you in 2017 and beyond. To live, to live every day in submission and relationship with the Spirit of God who indwells those of us who put our trust in the Son of God, who's made us children of God by the power of God, not our own. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, tough truths here. Lord, would you help us to understand what your desire is for us? God, we are are the kings and queens of good intentions. We set goals. We make resolutions. We have great desires. Lord, I pray our one goal this year, the one thing that we would shoot for, would be to live 
filled by Your Spirit, in submission to Your Spirit, Lord, that You, the Spirit of Christ, would dwell in us, Lord, richly, that You would work through us and in us and drive us back to Your Word and drive us back to Your Spirit and drive us back to desperate prayer, pleading that You would work in our lives. That we might know You, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name.